Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. ...called the worst mass shooting in Maine history. Our coverage continues on News Nation. On the program tonight, call it what it is. From the river to the sea and long live the Intifada mean destroying Israel and killing Jews. Why so many won't take these threats seriously. Plus, hell on earth. America media cares so much about what happens to Palestinians above ground in Gaza. For an American audience, help us understand the humanitarian situation in Gaza. Where is the outcry about the Americans held hostage underground in Gaza? Manhunt. Seven County got multiple victims. I think multiple victims. I need every unit you can find. Why police can't find the main gunman 24 hours later and where he could strike next. For adults only. Warning, explicit material enclosed. The Virginia candidate knocked for racy online videos gets hit again. Why this mailer from her opponent might actually come back to haunt him. (laughs) And no treats for them. A New Jersey school district cancels Halloween this year. I got a chocolate bar. I got a quarter. I got a rock. The new argument against fun of any kind. Then as of this moment, they're on double secret probation. Nightfall right now in Maine, where it will be a balmy 60 degrees. You're looking at one of the many checkpoints across western Maine. The temperature makes it a lot harder for the infrared helicopter searching for that mass murder suspect, Robert Card, allegedly killed 18 during a mental health crisis, and they found his car near his boat that is now missing. He's on the run. We'll go back to Maine as news warrants. With that, welcome to the Ferris Show on television. First tonight, Jews have learned over time when people say they are coming to kill you, believe them. And that's exactly what's happening on college campuses around America. This is video from Tulane showing a pro-Hamas protester beating a kid. Evidently, that child's crime was having an Israeli flag. Last night, Jewish kids at Cooper Union College in New York took shelter in the library behind locked doors. Pro-Hamas protesters, as you can see, were trying to break in. They were chanting things like, long live the Intifada. Genuinely don't know what would have happened if the doors were left open. The school is failing to make good on their promises to students to create a safe and productive learning environment. It's interesting because over the past couple of years, we were told the only thing that mattered was making sure everybody feels safe. Everybody, unless you're Jewish. It's in vogue among American media to call these pro-Palestinian protests. They are not. And they are anti-Semitic protests, but they're a lot more than that. Just listen to their chants. Intifada, Intifada, 
Those are from across the country, New York to San Francisco. From the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea means wiping out Israel and replacing it with a Muslim state run by Hamas. From the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea. Intifada calls for the popular violent uprising to kill Jews. You'll remember the second Intifada where Hamas used suicide bombers. These are marches calling for the mass killing of Jews. It's that simple. They are celebrating the mass killing of Jews. They started just after the mass killing of Jews. They are pro-terrorist marches. On October 7th, Hamas stormed the Israel border, killed 1,400 people, left 5,400 wounded. They took 220 hostages. On November 9th, 1938, the Nazis initiated a campaign of hatred against the Jewish population in all Nazi territories. It was known as Kristallnacht. They killed an estimated 91 Jews. 30,000 were arrested, 267 synagogues destroyed. That began the Holocaust. Angry crowds of pro-Hamas marchers coming for Jews is allowed and protected now on college campuses and beyond in places like New York and Los Angeles, but also in Dearborn, Michigan, Indianapolis, Austin, Texas, New Orleans, Las Vegas, Chicago. The list goes on and on. A reckoning with anti-Semitism is coming. It must. 48% of Americans, 18 to 24, support Hamas in the current war with Israel. They support Hamas. The Democratic caucus in Congress must deal with 15 of its members who refuse to vote for a resolution supporting Israel, our closest ally in the Middle East. Israel is struggling for survival. 15 in Congress turn their backs and embolden the terrorists. Congressman Brad Sherman standing by to talk about that and whether or not censures could be coming. Last night, we told you refusal by President Biden to make good on his threats against Iran would result in more Iranian tax. Sadly, we are correct. So far, Iranian proxies have attacked American forces 16 times in 10 days, including again today, and there has been no response. Sometime soon, the Iranians will get lucky and they will kill an American soldier, sailor, airman, or Marine. Sadly tonight, we must tell you, the same is true here at home. The continued consent and the constant marches calling for the murder of Jews in America will predictably end with the murder of Jews here in America. Brooke Goldstein is here, human rights attorney, founder of Lawfare. Brooke, I'm wondering what options there are against these universities that for so long have said there must be safe spaces, and yet you're having Jewish students have to listen to, and in some cases be assaulted by people, calling for the killing of Jews. Leland, first I want to thank you for your accurate reporting. Really, it is very nice to hear you calling these protesters what they are. They are pro Hamas protesters. This has nothing to do with the establishment of a Palestinian state and everything to do with inciting genocide against Jewish populations around the world. Now, let's be clear what happened at Cooper Union. These pro-Hamas protesters, after going to the president's office and the president of the university was shuttled away in secret by uh, her secu the security there, they then went to the library where they knew that the Jewish students were studying and were banging on the doors with sticks and chanting genocidal chants. And the only thing the library, this school security could do was lock the Jewish students in the library for 40 minutes. They were falsely imprisoned. Yeah, Brooke, Brooke I, 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 get all, I get all that. I, I, I want to I look forward, right? Because the thing that's going to change this is if the universities are meant to pay a price and forced to pay a price. We know about the donors, but I'm wondering, I'm wondering why we haven't seen lawsuits. I'm thinking about what's happened at Tulane where a, a Jewish kid was just beaten up. Well, we are representing the students at Cooper's, and we are going to pursue legal action, not just at, against the school, but we're pressing for criminal hmm. charges against the students for harassing them, for rioting, for inciting a riot, and for false imprisonment. I also want to highlight something that most of the time, these student groups like Wall Palestine 
or SJP, Students for Justice in Palestine, not only support terror, but are terror-affiliated. We know, for example, Wall Palestine is connected to the PFLP, the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine, which is a designated terrorist group. And to your original question, absolutely the school has failed in their duties to protect these students. Mm. They have violated Title VI to keep the school free of a hostile environment. A hundred percent, we will be pursuing all legal options available mm. to us. Mm. All right, Brooke, thank you very much. Uh, I, I fear you're going to have a lot of uh, new clients coming in over the next few weeks. We'll talk soon. Uh, Congressman Brad <laughs> Sherman, Democrat from California, uh, is with us now. Congressman, I don't know any other way to do this than to be blunt. I put up the pictures of the members of the Democratic caucus who voted uh, against the resolution to support Israel uh, and those who refused to support it by uh, voting present. Does the Democratic Party have a problem? The Democratic caucus in Congress have a problem with anti-Semitism? Well, frankly, I think the Republican caucus has a bigger Israel problem. Ninety seven percent of the Democrats voted for this resolution. Ninety nine percent of the Republicans voted for it. But immediately before the attacks from Hamas, we had on the floor a resolution that would cut aid to Israel by 30 percent, and 198 Republicans voted for it. I didn't see them on your screen. So we have a problem on both sides. The problem on the Republican side is an isolationist problem. The problem on the Democratic side is an anti-Israel problem, but it's much, much smaller. You don't have enough room on your screen hmm. to show the 198 Republicans who voted. No, I, look, the isolationist, I, 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 I would respectfully say we've taken a pretty hard stance on the isolationist wing of the Republican Party. Um, so your, your well, point's well taken. I, I guess my, my, my direct question, though, is when I put up the members of the squad, uh, I talk about you, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, who got very close to praising Hamas, very close. Um, I, I'm, I, I'll ask it again. Is there an anti-Semitism problem among some in the Democratic caucus? I think they're uh, misled, uh, whether it's anti-Semitism or just a, a, a warped view of what's happening in the Middle East. But again, to concentrate on what half a dozen or a dozen Democrats do, well, that's, that's fringe. That's not legislatively significant. But 198 no, I, Republicans, that's... And in general, and I won't focus just on your show, uh, the one or two Democrats who have said things that I disagree with, some of these people on the screen just voted present, which is half as bad. But you, again, you don't have enough room on the screen for the 190. Look, your point's well taken. And when the very resolution, the very resolution. Congressman, when the vote comes up, when the vote comes up again for aid, for aid to Israel, we'll, it as we'll well. put it up. You don't have, you don't even put their Congressman, up. Yeah, I, there, 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 there was one. I'm talking to a Democrat. When I talk to Republicans, I'll, I'll talk about Congressman okay. Massey. I want to get you real quickly about uh, the issue. He, he, to be fair, he voted against it for a different reason, but we'll get to that. I want to get you on this. Today, the uh, foreign minister of Iran was at the U.N., and this is what he had to say as a warning to America. If the genocide in Gaza continues... They will not be spared from this fire. All right, so that's a threat to the United States. Uh, so far, Iranian-backed militias have attacked Americans uh, on bases in the Middle East 16 times in the past 10 days. President Biden was very clear yesterday. Uh, if the attacks continued, there would be a response by the United States. There has not been. Is, there a time, is the time now for a military response by the United States against these Iranian militias? And Iran. We've had a military response. We've moved two aircraft carrier groups to the eastern Mediterranean, where they are deterring Hezbollah from taking anything more than token actions. And look, even a token action can lead to a death or several deaths. And uh, we have an aircraft carrier group in the Persian Gulf. Again, uh, moving those kinds of assets to the region is very significant. And of course, we have assets in the Red Sea where three, uh, I believe it was three cruise missiles headed toward yep. Israel were shot down by America. So uh, we are, uh, we have responded, and I think they understand that if, uh, God forbid, uh, they were to seriously injure or kill any American uh, soldier or sailor, uh, that the response would be very significant. But moving those assets I, I, I is would more suspect, than token. 
Yeah, I, I would suspect some of the soldiers with traumatic brain injury might take issue about serious injury, but so far, none killed, That's and that's a blessing. Thank Congressman, you. it's good to see you, sir. Thank you very much, as always. Good to be with you. Uh, it gets it gets dark in Maine as we turn to breaking news. Very, very dark in Maine. Robert Card is likely hiding somewhere in the abyss that you see right there. 350 police, state troopers, and FBI agents are searching for him by land, air, and water. Police say the Army reservist opened fire yesterday after having some type of mental health episode and killed 18 people. One of the shootings happened at a bowling alley youth night. We are now at a little over 24 hours since the two shootings were reported at a restaurant in a bowling alley. It happened right before 7 p.m. Take a look at the map that shows the area of the search. It covers three rural communities in Maine. About 70,000 people on this map, as you can see, are all under lockdown. Maine is one of the most forested states in America. 90% wooded, 12 million acres. It's called the pine tree state for a good reason. We also know that the suspect's car was found at a marina with the door open and his boat gone. Here now, anchor Ashley Banfield, uh, who was uh, on air all last night doing incredible work as this happened. Just 100 miles uh, to the Canadian border, Ashley. Uh, Look, they looked for Eric Rudolph for four years. This is just the very beginning of this. You know, that's what a lot of people were talking about this morning, was the kind of expertise that's going to be required in order to be able to sniff this guy out in terrain like that. And Eric Rudolph had the same kinds of skills. He was a survivalist. And it turns out that this man, who's now considered a suspect um, and has eight murder charges against him, Robert Card, known by his family as Rob Card, known by his friends when he was younger as Robbie, um, He's got skills that may even surpass Eric Rudolph's. He is a skilled firearms expert. He taught firearms operation. He is actually a sergeant first class in uh, the U.S. Army. And he's in his own backyard. He knows this area. He knows boating. He knows waterways. He knows this whole terrain. Apparently neighbors saying that he and his entire family have a lot of guns on their compound and that they know the outdoors well. So that's what... The folks who are hunting him are up against Leland. And if you think about the kinds of people who do hunts in that kind of terrain, they're usually out on foot. Well, this guy has potentially an automatic or semi-automatic weapon. And he's armed to the teeth. And he's already shown that he's prepared to kill anybody, anytime, anywhere, innocents alike, kids alike. So um, this is a very difficult manhunt, as you can imagine. If, in fact, they're out manhunting, because our... Uh, reporters are currently stationed right outside his family compound. And there have been multiple demands over loudspeaker, come out with your hands up, this is the FBI. There's also been some loud bangs that we've heard as well. So whether there's an actual standoff at this point um, remains to be seen. But they did clear hmm. us all away, Leland, and say yeah, make no, room I, for I, I'd also heard, I, I'd also heard that there was uh, the significant die-down in activity, at least uh, in that area, that that they didn't think that there was anybody there. They were serving a warrant. But we'll, we'll, we'll see. You make a good point, which if there die was down, a stand-up yes, going on, You know what? I'm just going to get you it, up to speed. Something just happened. Something just happened. There was a die-down, but just in the last 10 minutes, actually about a dozen other vehicles and two SWAT vehicles came back. So it, it's all very fluid. It's hard to tell with the, the shot that we have right hmm. now. But things did quieten down. And then all of a sudden, just in the last 10, 15 minutes, it sparked right back up again. And so we are okay, actually getting I'll, a bit actually, of Let me just news. read this. We're, we'll we're just read this hearing, right now. Come outside. Yeah. Come outside with your hands up. We don't want anyone else to get hurt. If anyone else is inside the residence, we would like to speak with you. You need to walk outside in the front driveway with nothing in your hands. Robert, you're under arrest. Come out of the house with the hands in the air. So they think they know where he is. I guess that's what that's telling us. Uh, Well, yeah, Robert Card, come out with your hands up. Robert Card, naming him by name. So, yeah, that that ramp up in activity changed the dynamics Mm -hmm. just in the last few minutes that even I was talking with uh, several dozen vehicles and uh, police members and two SWAT units. And I'm just going to check. Yeah. Anna, can you just check to see yeah. if there's more SWAT units that have arrived? Yeah, so things yeah, are we, really we happening now we as we gotten, speak. Yeah, we haven't gotten any more. But, okay, well, ba- back to you as news warrants. Uh, if we figure out either if Card is inside or if they, they get him out. Uh, Ashley, thank you. Coming up next, Unplugged, yes. why the cancellation of a $5 billion deal could spend the end, could spell the end, of the electrical vehicle takeover before it even took off, and why parents won't let their kids open the mail in Virginia. Republicans are now sending out pornography 
Will the dirtiest of election tricks backfire? Back to Maine with the breaking news. Uh, this shot is in the dark right now. We believe the FBI thinks they have Robert Card surrounded at a home in Maine. He was the person wanted in connection with killing 18 people yesterday, injuring more. News Nation's Alex Capriello is live in Bowdoin, Maine, where it is very dark, and the police have asked him to turn off the lights on the camera, which obviously uh, is a request we have complied with. Um, any idea, Alex, why the FBI thinks... He is inside this house. Well, we do know that these are homes that belong to the Card family. The house where, if you can see it, Leland, that is lit up by that spotlight from that SWAT vehicle, that is, uh, I'm told from neighbors here, the home belonging to Robert's father. A little bit further up the road where we saw the search warrant get executed earlier today, about two hours ago, we're told from neighbors that that's actually the brother's house. Uh, that house has been abandoned, but it looks like they've turned their attention now on this house in the foreground. You can see the lights uh, shining very brightly on that house. Alex, uh, I'm hearing a like a bullhorn in the back. Can we just chimney? listen to that? Yeah, let's, let's get quiet and let's see if we can hear it. Right away. If you could hear it, he said, put your hands in the air and walk to the front of the driveway. They've said, Robert, we know you're inside. Come out with your hands up with nothing in your hands. So this is very much, they're focusing in on this house. They do believe right now that their suspect, murder suspect, Robert Card, is inside that house. All right, we understand he's heavily armed, obviously, as are the SWAT teams uh, there as well. When they say walk to the end of the driveway, is that something new they're saying? Is there reason to believe perhaps that? Uh, we're doing it in a manner for our safety and everyone else. We are trying to protect your safety and everyone's else. We don't want anyone else to get hurt is what they're saying. Yeah, so this is basically, they're surrounding this house. There's two SWAT cars that came out of nowhere and about a dozen others. At the truck here, so please just walk to the, come outside, walk to the front of the truck with your hands up and nothing in your hand, and walk to the front of the truck in the driveway while my instructions. Aaron, we just heard some more. Okay, Taylor, megaphone said we realize this could be intimidating for you. Come out, nothing in your hands, hands in the air, walk to the front of the truck and follow my instructions. All right, Alex, tell us what, what else you're hearing. Have you heard a door open or anything? Just to the megaphone. If they start talking to the megaphone, uh, let us hear that. But go ahead and sort of narrate with what else we're seeing and hearing. Sure. I mean, there's about a dozen uh, police uh, cars, mostly unmarked, that have lined this street. Two SWAT cars that are right in front of the house. We saw two drones launch from that SWAT car. They're now currently in the air. I can see uh, at least one of them. We also saw officers get out on foot. Uh, many of these officers all day long have been heavily armed. We know the FBI was the one on the bullhorn earlier. Now uh, we assume it's also federal investigators that are here uh, making that plea for Robert Card to come out of the house. They believe he is within that house. And you can see these sharp, bright lights that are pointing uh, towards what, as far as I can tell from my vantage point, an upward window, almost like a upper story. Um, yeah, they just really are trying to coax him out, telling him, we don't want you to get hurt. We don't want anyone else to get hurt. Uh, obviously, this with a man who police have said is armed and dangerous, this could turn really bad very, very quickly if someone makes a rash decision. So I think they're just hoping that they can coax him out. Another thing that I heard just yeah. now is they're saying, if there's yeah. anybody else inside of that building, come out too, because we want to talk to you as well. It's unclear. Up to this point, Leland, we've thought that he's been acting and operating alone. So if there is someone inside that building well, along with him, that would be new information. Yeah, I, I, the, the flip side of that is if he's holding somebody inside the building um, as some kind of hostage or human shield. Um, that would that would change the dynamic radically here. Uh, lower left-hand side of your screen was the picture of Robert Card that uh, police put out with him with a a, a rifle. Uh, he went to uh, at least three different locations, killed 18 people allegedly, uh, and injured more uh, with that rifle, including at a bowling alley. It started almost exactly 24 hours ago. 
Alex, how did this happen? Because you've been out there all day. We we followed you as you were near one of these homes when there was a search warrant um, executed. Sounded like some flashbang grenades, that kind of stuff. But then police said, hey, look, uh, shelter in place is still there. Uh, a number of them left. Uh, and now all of a sudden we're back at this house with the lights on it where it certainly seems like police think or the FBI thinks they have reason to believe he's inside if they're not sure of it. Yeah, and this was a completely different house, like I mentioned earlier today, when we heard those flashbangs and we uh, heard the FBI on the loudspeaker that uh, they need to open the door. That was at a completely different house a little farther up the road. Uh, but yeah, I came across this scene right when that search warrant was about to be executed. The uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms quickly stopped me and said, hey, you need to turn around right now, which got my... Um, uh, I, I immediately was suspicious. I had a feeling that they might be closing in on something. And sure enough, within five minutes, we heard that search warrant being executed. But now they, they left the scene. That was about an hour ago. We thought that it was all done and wrapped up. We were considering whether or not we should even be staying when all of a sudden these two SWAT cars and about a dozen other law enforcement vehicles just come bum rushing up this street, getting closer to this house. And now they're uh, doing exactly what we're seeing happen right now. All right, so it's been about three or four minutes. We heard him them say, uh, come out with your hands up, come out with your hands up. Uh, we heard them say, we don't get any, want to get anybody else hurt. Uh, and we've heard them say, come to the driveway uh, unarmed with nothing in your hands. Uh, this is the right. beginning of what could be a very long standoff, right? Because we have no idea uh, what, the, what the timing is or whether or not the, the FBI is willing to go in there uh, with a SWAT team. We heard him say, you know, we don't want to get hurt. We don't want you to get hurt, on and on. Uh, you said, give us the timeline. It's been about an hour since the SWAT team arrived. Uh, no, uh, the SWAT team just arrived, I would say, about 20 minutes ago. Uh, the, the initial search uh, warrant uh, execution was, I would say, about 4.30 this afternoon Eastern time. Now we are, you know, three hours later. Uh, but this new formation of police vehicles in a line with these two SWAT cars leading the way just came out of nowhere, Leland. It was about mm. 20 minutes ago, and now all of a sudden we're seeing these drones in the air. We're seeing, I just watched a helicopter pass through the air. I see another yeah. drone there. Um, so, yeah, this is all a very new uh, development that's happening right before our very eyes. Yeah, we know the Coast Guard was involved. Um, I actually am just watching a drone launch right there. You wonder if any of those have uh, infrared that could look down and possibly see heat signatures inside the house. It's pretty warm in Maine right now, about 60 degrees, which makes it a little bit harder to see that, uh, especially through walls. All right, um, Alex, stand by. Uh, you're looking live uh, at a street near Bowdoin. Go ahead. Well, I just want to say, all of a sudden now, I'm looking at this helicopter, and it's got a very strong light that's pointing down towards the ground, almost as if it's searching the area here. There's these uh, mm. heavily wooded fields, uh, as if it's looking down for a possible suspect on foot. Of course, this SWAT team is still right here with the drones, as we've been talking about, but that's a new development, seeing a helicopter circling around with a very heavy light pouring down on the ground. Wow, that, that is interesting. If they think that Pops possibly he left the house, and we can see that other drone uh, that's flying there. Alex, thank you very much. Uh, stay with us uh, at the scene. Obviously, back to you as news warrants. Other side of the break, how long does this go on? How long does the FBI sit outside the house uh, of a murder suspect, someone who they say has killed 18 people before the SWAT team goes in? We'll see you in a minute. Now to Bowdoin, Maine, live pictures of a house surrounded by the FBI SWAT team. Uh, the lone light you can see on the left-hand side of that main picture is a second-floor bedroom where the FBI believes that the suspect in the shooting last night that killed 18 is holed up. Uh, and for the past few minutes, they've been using a loudspeaker to say Robert Card come outside with your hands up. We don't want anyone else to get hurt. If anyone else is in the residence, we would like to speak with you. So they think there's a possibility, at least, uh, that he may have a hostage. If we're going to uh, turn up the audio from the, the camera mics uh, there in Bowdoin, Maine, you're going to hear uh, the sound of helicopters and the sound of drones. Alex Capriello was reporting that just in the past couple of minutes, a helicopter's arrived on scene to search the woods surrounding uh, this home, thinking perhaps Robert Card 
may have fled when the SWAT teams pulled up somewhere around 20 or 25 minutes ago. Police have asked us to keep the lights on the cameras off, uh, which obviously is something that we're doing to protect uh, our crews and also to protect the police um, in this situation. Alex, uh, give us uh, the past five or ten minutes. Have we heard anything else on the bullhorn? Nothing on the bullhorn, uh, and that's giving me a sneaking suspicion that maybe they believe he is no longer in that house. They came in here hot with that bullhorn, calling his name, demanding that he come out, uh, saying that we don't want anyone else hurt. But now for the past five minutes or so, while we were, when we were last on the air, we stopped all of a sudden hearing that bullhorn. And instead now, as you mentioned, these helicopters are flying. These drones are flying. I can count at least four to five different aircraft in the air right now, circling this entire area. Of course, nothing confirmed. We haven't heard from law enforcement if they believe this man has fled on foot. But obviously, that's what these, this is what I'm seeing with my own eyes right now, Leland, a lot of aircraft in the air right now. Uh, count, count them for us, if you would. Helicopters, fixed wings, drones, what do we have? Yeah, it looks like to me at least two drones, one helicopter, one aircraft in the distance. Um, and it's quite possible we might see more coming. I told you uh, right before the commercial break that the helicopter had its searchlights on. That's since been taken down. But it is doing a full perimeter sweep around here. I'm looking at it out in the distance, almost towards uh, the direction of where Lewiston might be. Uh, but then otherwise, these drones uh, right above the house still, one floating in the air, uh, another aircraft in the distance, uh, another one that's actually out towards sort of what looks to me like farmland. I saw cows out there earlier. So um, a big spacious area, plenty of space for someone to take off on foot. That's what my hunch is telling me now that all of a sudden we've seen so many new drones and aircraft in the air. All right, uh, Chris is with us. Uh, he's uh, going to take over the coverage in about 20 minutes up uh, from Maine. Chris, I, I just can't think of what the community is going through right now. It's one thing to have had 18 people shot and killed, um, and as horrific as that is, it's another thing that the killer is on the loose uh, somewhere amongst you. Yeah, you know, uh, for whatever reason, we love to stat check these situations. Where does this one rank? How much is this? Uh, this is number one in terms of I've never seen in one of these types of mass shootings where the guy got away. And that seemed to be his intention. And it seems to have uh, had different modalities involved here, right? They followed the car reportedly to a boat launch, uh, but there was no real way to get out through water there. There's a dam on either side of where they believe uh, he may have left his car. Uh, and then there is this X factor of being able to be safe in this area. There's so much property that he supposedly knows very well that his family owns and beyond that is very hard to search and very easy to hide in. That's why I was very surprised when I picked up on Alex's reporting that he was, they were looking at houses right next to the parents' residence. And then those cops left. You know, Alex has been watching this all in waves. And I've never seen that before, where they were targeting uh, residents, they leave, and then came back uh, to the same residence. And that's what we're watching unfold right now. So there's a shelter in place here that has been losing its hold on the community. You'll see there are more cars moving behind me right now. They're not all first responders. Um, but hmm. in talking to the people here today, uh, they're shook, Leland, and rightly so. And they really want to know what this was about, why this happened. Was it a targeting issue? Was it about a certain group? Or was it about this person's madness? Yeah, I think also, uh, and you and I have covered a lot of these things, Chris, what strikes me as interesting is you now have somebody on, on the run, uh, if he planned this, uh, and was able to stash supplies in a getaway car, or maybe who knows if the boat was a diversion. Uh, we're obviously going to keep our ears open for the loudspeaker comes up again. Uh, but you've been up there. It, this is a very, very rural, rural part of a very rural state. You've got 12 million acres. If this is somebody who's a survivalist, which he is, uh, well-armed, had time to plan this, uh, he could disappear into the, into, the, into the woods and into the abyss for an awfully long time. Yeah, you know, often I find a lot of our curiosities in these situations to be a little bit academic. Like these are the boxes we check in this in these situations and that the real focus should just be on the victims, who they are and what lives were destroyed by this. But in this particular instance, there are some mysterious aspects. This is a man with an unusual set of skills, right? We know 
that he is a training officer oh, hold on. in the Chris, army. Chris, just stop one second. And he had, just stop one second. Go ahead, go ahead. Chris, just stop one second. We're going to try to turn up the volume. Just a little bit more distance, but still have this. Alex, is somebody talking there? Are you hearing something? Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to plan uh, for our next live shot uh, while we continue to take a look at this uh, <laughs> activity that's happening uh, against. It's still still a very active scene, Leland. All right, so no no, no bullhorn instructions. Um, keep up the good work, Alex. And I, Chris, I think you you rightly point out this is there's there is this mystery here of a guy with an unusual set of skills uh, in an area he knows very well. Uh, you've got the FBI agents up from Boston. You've got the Coast Guard up above, but he knows the terrain, uh, and he has the 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 huge head start of planning. He may have, right? I mean, he may have planned. I, I you know, we're going to learn more uh, about that. And of course, you, you got uh, the factor of his illness, which is not a suggestion. Uh, it was demonstrated in different ways. Uh, and it was profound enough for uh, this past summer when he was helping out training recruits for the U.S. Uh, Army. He had to go to a clinic and get evaluated because of his behavior. And he was reportedly making threats. So Did his illness allow him to plan? Was there planning? Are there distractions? They found a weapon in the vehicle. Was it the same weapon, the long gun that he used here? And then there's the the biggest question for me, just in terms of the plan and the why. The initial numbers made more sense to me, Leland, dozens and dozens, because this is a trained person with no armed opposition and a lot of time and a lot of ammo. And then the numbers came down dramatically, thank God, right? 18 dead is, of course, 18 too many. 13 injured, hopefully they make it. But it does now suggest with the time and different venues, the amount of ammunition and the skill set, was he targeting specific people? Because he could have, God forbid, Mm. hit a lot more people with that amount of time and ammunition than he did. The question is why. It's a great great point in that in the why, um, sometimes you kind of can't understand crazy, literally crazy. Uh, but the why goes right now to what his motives may be. Is he planning another attack? Is he just on the run and scared? Is he having another psychotic break? We, we don't know. Tracy Walder, uh, formerly with the FBI, uh, is with us now on the phone. Tracy, uh, the SWAT team rolled up there about 35 minutes ago, as far as we understand it, uh, to this house, put the spotlight up. Uh, for about 20 minutes on the on the bullhorn, they kept saying, uh, you know, Robert Card, we know you're inside. We know you're inside. Come out, come out, come out. Um, the past 20 the past 20 minutes or so it's been silent um, what do you make of that and how long if they really do believe he's in there how long do they wait uh, before they go in so that's a great question thank you for having me Leland so I think the first thing that they did was obviously illuminating it letting them letting him know they're there they know that he's there but I think now what they're doing they need to get a read on exactly where he is and exactly what he's doing from what I can see just in footage I'm looking at there's drones um, out there and those are most likely IR and infrared seeking drones that are probably able to see through the house and see movements that he's making as well as maybe him exiting the, the house as well and so really what they're doing right now by cutting the light laying off the bullhorn is actually almost sort of waiting him out to see what he'll do next. And they're using that aerial IR surveillance to really get a read on what his next movements may be. All right, this is the question though. Is he in there? I mean, obviously they they believe he's in there, but they believe there's a chance he's in there. Uh, At the same time, somebody who's that well-trained, 24 hours after killing 18 people at three different locations, and then driving away, why does he go to a house that is owned by his family? He would know that that's the very first place police would go look. So, again, another good question. I want to actually dial back his experience a little bit. This is someone who actually has no overseas and combat experience or training whatsoever. You know, versus myself, I was out deployed overseas. He doesn't have that kind of training. It's not to say he can't survive, obviously, in, in the wilderness. But he doesn't have those essential survivalist skills. Also, in my opinion, this is someone who's clearly going through some type of psychotic break, some kind of mental issue. And I'm not certain that he planned this far ahead. He may have planned to the point that he went to the bowling alley and went to the bar. And then what? And now he's trying to return to really like what's familiar to him. 
Um, and so, yeah, I am a little bit surprised that, you know, he isn't kind of forging his survivalist skills in the woods. I, I had an expectation that he might be doing that. Um, and the fact that he returned to someplace familiar tells me that this may be someone who's in sort of the throes of a psychotic break. So as we... As we're watching the the footage, we just saw what I believe to be one of the SWAT Bearcats move forward. And I think we've got to accept the fact, uh, Alex, if you're still with us, that the SWAT Bearcat that moved forward, how much of this is FBI and how much of this is local versus state police? I I think that, um, and I mean by this by no disrespect, Bowdoin, Maine probably does not have a pretty large tactical team uh, on standby. Yeah, Maine State Police is the one leading this investigation, but at the same time, there's been no shortage of other law enforcement entities that are here, FBI, ATF, sheriff's deputies. Um, We also heard um, of just about other police departments from all across New England that descended on this town because this type of tragedy just doesn't necessarily happen in a place like this. So everyone wanted to help. But yes, earlier today, I got stopped by ATF. They were the ones who were actually in charge of blocking that road. We heard FBI over the blowhorn. I'm not entirely sure. I didn't see any lettering on this SWAT vehicle that's now getting much, much closer to this house. I'm not sure if you could tell, but their posture has changed. That SWAT vehicle is no longer on the road, but it is now in the driveway. It is facing that house forward-facing. I don't see as bright of a spotlight up on that upper uh, bedroom Hmm. window, but I do see those drones that are not so high in the air, but rather almost at sort of the second floor level um, as if they're peering through windows right now. Um, But really, the posture has changed just within the last two, three minutes, Leland, and clearly they are uh, approaching this house, uh, uh, you know, much closer. All right, Tom Fuentes uh, is with us, former FBI assistant director. Uh, Tom, what's what's the decision matrix here in terms of whether they go in or not, number one? And how often is it that they, they think they see somebody in the house? They, maybe somebody, there was a phone call from the house, whatever it was, and then he's not actually in the house. Well, that has to be determined, Leland. I mean, they, they probably don't know yet whether he is or isn't in the house. Uh, but they have to be concerned. Let's just say he is. Let's just say, you know, they're looking at worst-case scenario that he could have a hostage, and they don't want to get a hostage killed or hurt uh, by going in too soon or, or rushing this. If they, have, if they have reason to believe that he is in the house and he is alone in the house, then you have a different tactical problem. It's called a barricaded subject. And in that case, then, they could literally introduce tear gas or other measures to try to... Uh, smoke him out of the house if that's the case but that's what they don't know right now so they don't they don't know for sure if other innocent people are with him or not with him and that that makes it a much more cautious proceeding to to go after him or to try to talk him out of there yeah we we heard on the bullhorn uh earlier and we're going to try to turn around some of the sound but they said uh, if there's someone else in the house we want to speak with you um, and then they said, come out with your hands up, come out with your hands up. Um, help us understand, yeah, One of the other Tom. concerns is, you know, it's been brought up that, you know, whether or not to bring a family member, you know, uh, someone that could maybe talk to him and, and talk him out. But many of the situations that I've studied in the past, uh, many of those have backfired. You know, they bring huh. a spouse to the scene and, and, oh, darling, surrender, and then... You know, maybe he doesn't come out right away, and then she starts screaming at him, you idiot, you moron, no wonder I, you know, why I hate you. You know, so sometimes it actually inflames the situation to bring a family member. Help us, what do you make of the fact that for 25 minutes or so, or 20 minutes, they were on the bullhorn? Um, Obviously, uh, we've seen a lot of the lights go out here, which sometimes uh, tells us that there may be something happening. But the, the big searchlight that was focused on on the house has now been turned off. But what do you make of 20 minutes or so of the uh, the bullhorn and then now silence? I don't know. I think, uh, you know, they might have tried one thing, and if that didn't work, then wait and see. And, you know, we don't know why they think he's in there or how certain they are that he is in there. And so maybe try the bullhorn, try to talk him out if he is in there and and uh, put an idea in his head that he should surrender. Now, you know, in many of these situations, you have a, a suicide by cop where the individual wants to go out in the blaze of glory and 
and get more, even more attention than he's already gotten in spite of killing 18 people and shooting so many others. But he's had a couple of opportunities probably to do that and hasn't. So, so he may want to live. He may want to survive. He may, uh, may be willing to surrender in that situation. And he also may be suicidal, not just suicide by cop. Uh, when this thing was dragging on, I was thinking maybe uh, you have such a uh, wooded area, such a, a rough terrain that maybe he went into the woods and, uh, you know, possibly they would find him that he killed himself, go into the woods and hmm. shoot himself. You know, and also in situations like this, heavily wooded areas, they would bring in infrared uh, cameras, put them on a drone, fly them around and try to look for the heat signature of right. a mammal, a warm yeah. mammal in that. Now, the problem with that is that they do, you know, many times you get a lot of false alarms, let's say deer. Yeah, you, you have an area Yeah, you say you get a lot of moose there. in Maine. Yeah. Right. No, you get so a lot you, of moose so and bears and everything animals. else. It's also, it's also 60 degrees right now, 62 degrees yeah, in Maine. Yeah, and, and I was going to say, the, the other infrared. thing would be if he does, if he does kill himself, the heat is going to drain out of the body to the point where it's going to be the same temperature as the ground. And, uh, you know, that may take 24 hours or, you know, 36 hours, depending. As you said, if it's 60 degrees, it's not like middle of winter. But, yeah, all Tom, I just want to reset for a second. Tom, I just need to reset for one second. Uh, so we're, we've switched the shots now. This is from farther away, looking at a house where uh, the FBI, among others, believe the suspect uh, in that killing of 18 people last night in northern Maine uh, is locked down. Um, it, I'm told that we've lost the other shot, um, which was the much closer uh, shot. Uh, we've lost it, just to explain, not because the FBI and others have asked us to move, but because they're changing batteries on the camera. Uh, so we'll get that back up as soon as we can. Um, you can see some of the other police, police vehicles coming back out. Tracy Walder um, also with us from the FBI. Tracy, uh, let's just sort of take us take us through this. They show up at about seven o'clock, bullhorn for twenty minutes. Um, we saw over the time the lights go down, meaning that the searchlights that were from both the helicopter and from the SWAT vehicles started to turn off. Another SWAT vehicle moved up closer. What do you make of that? So, you know, I, I operated drones for a long time uh, at the CIA, and really, in order to get the best look inside windows or from IR footage, you have to kill the lights. They're going to get a flood of light um, into the IR sensors of the drone, and they will not be able to. Oh, tell, hold on. I just, uh, let me what, just inter interrupt you, Tracy, real quick. Sure. Law enforcement officials are currently on Meadow Road, which uh, is what this is. The announcements that are being heard of a loudspeaker are standard search warrant announcements when executing a warrant. It's unknown whether Robert Card is in any of the homes law enforcement will search. Law enforcement officials are simply doing due diligence by tracking down every lead in an effort to locate and apprehend Card. Um, I don't know about you, but that seems as though it certainly lets the air out of the balloon. <laughs> yes, indeed. It sounds like maybe they're using these drones to actually go house to house. Um, to look inside of these homes, particularly when we when we heard before that it was kind of very close to the second story window of one of these homes. They might actually be looking in there methodically uh, to go through each home um, and see who's in there, or if there are people hiding in there that the, the inhabitants of the home uh, may not necessarily know about. Um, so that's why, you know, you don't take dynamic entries into homes that you see on, you know, the movies and things like that immediately. It's just not something you do because you don't know who's inside those homes. So it sounds like they're approaching each and every one of them um, one by one to go through and make sure uh, who is in those homes and whether or not the suspect is in one of those homes. So it sounds like this is more of a methodical search um, than perhaps, uh, you know, yeah, so the, the shots. one house. Yeah, the shot is back, which is now completely dark. They've turned the spotlights off. Um, as, we, as we're hearing, uh, at least from the main state police, that this is a door-to-door -door search now, uh, executing search warrants on homes that Robert Card is known to have an association with, which is very different than them believing uh, that Robert Card or having information that Robert Card is in one of these homes. Uh, so it's quite a, a different situation than what we thought it was. Typically, it takes a certain number of hours to get these search warrants uh, for each home, uh, and then they've got to go house to house and execute them to be able to, to clear them, uh, which then, then opens this all the way back up. And I guess, Tracy, that's where we now sort of start from, which is there's a very reasonable chance uh, that Robert Card is 50, 60, 70, 80 miles away, 
Uh, getaway car gets stashed at a marina. A boat's missing. Chris reported to us that the that sort of dam. If if he did a little bit of planning here, um, and and decided to carry out this attack and then try to escape, that's a very different situation than we most ever seen in a quote mass shooting. It's almost like much more like an Eric Rudolph domestic terrorism situation. Uh, oh, um, absolutely. This is kind of conjures visions of Timothy McVeigh and what happened with that, where that was sort of a multi-state um, search, if you will. Look, this could even go into, obviously, Massachusetts, but then Canada. You know, we're not thinking about the Canadian border uh, that is close by as well, if he is on the run. Again, I'm not certain um, if he is or not, but if he is on the run, look, he has a, a full one-day head start. Uh, from all of us. And so the reality is, is that certainly his information has been given to our Border Patrol from the north as well as our CMP uh, from Canada. But look, he could be in Canada, he could be in Massachusetts, and that is why all of these different law enforcement agencies are involved uh, because it is a dynamic effort from all of these different states. Yeah, we understand the Coast Guard was searching as well. Um, they had a number of drones looking for infrared signatures, and then obviously they had helicopters out uh, for a mar- much larger area. Uh, Alex uh, Capriello has been on the scene for us. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to you just to, to wrap things up. Describe sort of in a larger sense how, how rural this is. I mean, are we talking about woods for miles that people could, could head out into? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the location where I was at earlier today, before I came to Meadow Road, we saw uh, posturing of at least two dozen law enforcement vehicles who are actually on the scene. And that was about a five mile by five mile uh, section of woods where they actually had to comb through and go on foot with canines. And so we are talking about a heavily wooded area with lots of places to dip, dive and, and dodge, obviously waterways and lakes and so uh, obviously a lot of places where you can hide in this area of Maine. All right, um, Alex, you're doing great work, uh, obviously. And look, this is is a dangerous situation. You've got a a guy on the run with uh, a significant amount of weapons, a head start. Uh, He may have a plan and law enforcement is playing catch up. So Alex will stay uh, with our coverage. Chris Cuomo is gonna pick it up uh, here in a minute. Uh, Tracy, thank you. Tom, thank you very much uh, as well as we hear the helicopters overhead. Uh, And and this is the scenario that police don't know about. And this is where Chris is going to pick up on what's such an important point.